Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. This is Chris. We're down on the beach. It's a windy day. The sun has gone. The clouds have come. It rained last night. It's going to rain again today. The ocean's disturbed. Uh, there's no surface, none out in the water. Uh, suddenly wind, so the temperature has dropped down to, I don't know, something not hot. So, and there's blue bottles. Aha! <laughs> So, today I uh, would love to talk to you about something that I think is really important. You've heard me talk from time to time about the three words that I think are key to being you, to being yourself. And those, or being a great leader uh, and, 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 and using yourself as the great leader. And those three words are balanced, centered, calm. I'm not going to focus on all three today, I'm just going to focus on one of them. But let me just go through them quickly. You can't think in your head. People say, I had a thought in my mind today. Well, logically, that's where thoughts are. But given the appetite of the brain to please others, please ourselves, to have emotions, to have feelings, to pick up on other people's feelings, to try to do the right thing, to try and do the correct thing, to try and do something that impresses the boss, that impresses other people. It's impossible to ask your mind to think clearly. And it's impossible for that mind to deliver a balanced perspective just by thinking. In order to do so, we know as a fact of life, if you want to have a balanced mind, there's no choice. You have to put it on paper. Now, paper, I don't mean the stuff that comes from pulp. I mean uh, paper meaning an iPad, but what I do mean at the end of the day is a four column. So those people who've been doing, working with me in their, in their business career for some of them seven or eight years have become masters at putting everything they're about to make a decision about into a four column process. Everything that disrupts them, everything they're about to react to goes on a four-column process and typically most people have realized that the best way to do it is not on a phone or an iPad it's to have a little notebook and those notebooks end up looking like an ant crawled across every page because each thought decision process that they're working through needs at least 15 to 20 rows of of analysis. So remember the four columns? What's the positive of this choice? What's the downside is the second column of that positive. The third column is what's the negative of this choice. And the fourth column is what's the upside of the negative. So by the time you finish doing a, a four column on anything, the decision you're about to make becomes a correct and be sustainable and see defendable so if someone says why did you make that decision you have the information written down you've worked it through and you haven't made an emotionally based uh, mentally based decision on something now this goes as far as cars it goes as far as business restructure it goes as far as product pricing everything you do can go through a four column and 
to do those neatly in a little book and take that book with you as much as you can becomes really important. I've been doing it now for nearly 30 years and there's decisions I've made that I uh, haven't, uh, what you call it, um, analysed fully. There's been decisions I've made that I've changed. But what, what I can honestly say is I've had a balanced perspective on the decisions I've made that have been really important in my life and therefore they've sustained themselves. I can still remember why I made that decision even if it was based on intuition and I still believe the decision was absolutely 100%. So, balance. Centred is the second part of this equation and centred is talking about your body. So, we can, if you notice anybody they shake with their right hand, they lean forward, they stand on their right foot and shake. Then you ask them to just wait for five minutes till you come back. And we, we all have a propensity to lean on or move for, or put one foot more weight on one foot than the other. And this throws our body into an immediate imbalance. It's the same as you look at your, your heels of your shoes and you see which of your heels is wearing faster than the other. And these are... Uh, imbalances that start with you with the bottoms of your feet go all the way up into your neck and shoulders they go all the way into front body and back body the front body is the ego the back body is the, the unconscious side of ourselves so we don't worry so much about six packs abs in our back we worry more about six pack abs in the front why because we can look in the mirror and see them so ego at the front so a person who stands in stilettos is throwing their whole weight into their ego. They're throwing themselves forward in their posture. A person who wears flip-flops, um, uh, thongs, is throwing all of the weight of their body into their back foot. So they're throwing their weight into their uh, subconscious, into their unconscious, and gravitating towards that as being the centre of their being. We can lean to the left, lean to the right, and recognizing our posture brings a really important element of self-awareness. Uh, and that element is that posture determines thought. When we're sitting at our desk in sloth or we lean over or we lean into a left or lean right, we put one elbow down, we type. Uh, these ergonomic postural uh, awarenesses become paramount in high levels of leadership. Now, it's not an ergonomic chair. You can throw your chair away and sit on a wooden box for all that matters. The question will be whether you're positioned above your hips, whether you're rotating your pelvis under or tucking your tailbone out. Rotating your pelvis under means that you're sitting square on your spine, whether your shoulders are arched back whether your shoulders are arched back and your chest is open, whether your head slouched forward um, and, and you're compressing your chest or compressing your neck. All these things become this ergonomics. And the, the, the most important part of this is to have a second person, a third party observation of you rather than to try and say, oh, that feels good. In yoga, we use mirrors. And every yoga room that I worked with had mirrors so that when you were doing a yoga posture, 
you could look at yourself in the mirror. And one of the funniest things is you, people say, now straighten your spine and you go, okay, it's straight. And you look in the mirror and it's arched. And it's, uh, you get exactly the same thing when you do a swimming lesson. The swim teacher says, bring your arm over the top and put it in the water just before you take the catch. And you go, okay, I'm doing it. And about, and you're swimming along thinking, man, I've got this stroke perfect. And they film you. And you see that it, you're completely uh, looking at yourself from inside yourself. And it's a very jaundiced view. It's, it's a very distorted view. And so the mirror for your posture can be a friend. It can be a physio, it could be uh, uh, your personal trainer, it, it could be your partner at home. Am I standing straight? Is my tailbone tucked under? Are my uh, legs equally uh, weighted on each foot? Look at my shoes, look at my, the seat of my chair. Am I sitting back into my chair or am I actually positioned in a beautiful upright position? How do my hands position on the, on the, on the table uh, when I'm typing or talking on the phone, one hand up to the ear? throws one shoulder up, throws one shoulder down, and we are automatically out of balance. Centering of the body is the low-hanging fruit, the environment uh, of the mind, and therefore the centering of the body becomes absolutely paramount if you're interested in balanced mind-centered body, uh, good leadership. The third one, calm, is what I want to talk about today, and I spent far too much time chatting about the first two. So I'm going to have to bridge this one quite tight. Most people, uh, when they hear the word calm, think of a sloth, which means, you know, sit down, have a beer, calm down, fall asleep, be, be tired. But I want to introduce you to another definition of calm, and that is intense. But it's not the intensity of a nervous wreck or a stressed out human being or a frightened cat or uh, an angry dog. It's not uh, the, the calm, the, it's not slothful and it's not angry, it's not, it's the intensity is a, a really strong, beautiful poise. Now, poise is something that means there's no jitters, there's no nervous shaking, there's no anxieties, but there is a 100% presence. And that intensity, that presence of, of is calm and if you be very present before you go to bed at night you will sleep better but if you're slothful before you go to bed at night you won't sleep well at all so being present is at night can be things like um, a calm can be things like reading a book uh, and a real book not just a digital one but a, a reading a book um, drinking a cup of tea in the quiet of night by yourself without the TV on there are many examples of what it looks like what it can be like to be calm, but aren't sloth. And so this, this art of calm becomes a huge variable in your leadership, in your self-leadership and your leadership of others. Because nobody wants to be near a slothful person. Nobody wants to be near a stressed out person. People want to be near your presence. And that's when your energy starts to exude itself out into the world around you and into the world of your mind. So calm. In Zen, when we were being taught meditation, and I studied Zen for a huge portion of my early life, in Zen they teach you this calm. And the calm they teach you is to sit on a cushion in excruciating pain for extended periods of time 
staring at a wall with your eyes open looking at a pinhead. So if you start to, if you're in Zen and you start to slouch, if you just start to relax one millimeter off your centered position, which you need to have some degree of control over, if you start to slouch, if your head starts to nod a little bit or your eyes start to close, the Zen master will come along with a bamboo stick and it's, it's two sticks usually bitten together, uh, 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 stuck together, two flat sticks. And so it makes a horrible slapping sound of the two sticks hitting as he whacks it across your back. And it bloody hurts sometimes, it stings. But more importantly, it shocks you with noise. And that shock brings you back present in the room, awakens you up and stares you straight back at the pinhead again. And you start to develop a habit of being able to be awake and alert and in presence and that is calm. And uh, I think uh, this is an opportunity, if you're listening to this podcast, to reconsider the thing that you call calm down. Because chamomile tea calms your nerves. It's a good thing. But if it sloths you and make you start to drift and close your eyes and, and meander through life, it's going to do incredible damage to your leadership and relationships at home. Calm. Calm means present, means turned up, arrived, available in body, mind, and spirit. And so then that is the calmness of a body that has nerve awakened. The nerves of the body are awake, but the muscles of the body are not tense. This is a very important thing for an athlete as well. And, uh, or, and the, the other uh, group of people that I've worked with throughout the world are actors, where they have to be present and intense and calm on stage and yet awake and ready and reactive and on target with their character. This is Christy. Have a beautiful day. I hope this has been a joyful and a wonderful start to your day as it has to mine. Bye for now.